Welcome to another series in our Independent Schools of St. Louis podcast. Uh, we are delighted to be welcomed today by three of our heads of school uh, from some of our Montessori-based elementary schools and, um, and uh, middle and high schools. So we're thrilled to have you all here today. I'll introduce them in a minute, but we hope that you will check back and listen frequently. We are always posting new content to our Independent Schools of St. Louis podcast, and we hope that you will come back and check frequently and listen often. So to the topic at hand today, again, we're talking about Montessori and what that means. We have several schools within the ISL membership that are Montessori-based, and I'm excited to talk with you all today about what that means and what it looks like at the various grade levels. So I'm joined today by Kimberly Schneider, who's head of school at Chesterfield Montessori. We have Melissa Anderson from MAP St. Louis, and we have Kara Douglas from the Fulton School at St. Albans. Why don't we kick off uh, with Kara? Why don't you start us off and tell us what is Montessori? How would you define it? All righty. Hi, Jamie. Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me on today. Um, um, at its at its core, Montessori is a method of um, teaching that was started around the turn of the century in Italy by Dr. Maria Montessori. Um, she was the first female physician in Italy, uh, a big deal around 1900, um, and was not uh, able to practice medicine because it was still a little too shocking or controversial. Uh, so she ended up working with kids um, and she was a scientist at heart. So she just began observing kids in different environments and um, testing what worked with them and watching to see, you know, what um, lessons helped them learn, what things didn't, what were they drawn to? She observed in the large Catholic families of the time, how did the parents manage families of 10, 12, 13 kids um, and she developed this method. Um, she applied to get funding to teach the kids in the poorest district of Rome. Um, and that's where she started her first Montessori school, uh, which was called Casa de Bambini, which is why you hear a lot of Montessori schools called something like that um, in all over the world today, actually. Uh, but the um, method, though, I think a more modern way to describe what she did is, is she really observed child development and believed that education should follow the development of children and we should be working with their natural development rather than against it. And so she developed an entire curriculum, class structure, ground rules, um, everything about the classroom and, and the system really is a, is a child development psychology of learning um, and a lot of um, research since her work has has supported it and there's actually a lot of Montessori goes on when people in schools where people don't necessarily even know of her or her work um, but they have keyed into the same developmental components that she observed so long ago so I don't know that would be how I would describe it at its the highest level um, obviously there's a lot more you can say about it and I'll see what the other educators want to add to that sure thanks Kara so Kimberly, why don't you um, tag on to that? How would you define it and how do you see it playing out in the context of your school on a, on a daily basis? Well, I love that, that Kara gave us the background and that developmental focus, which is really core to Montessori. Um, when I want to describe Montessori to somebody who's never heard about it or experienced it, I just say 
It's individualized, hands-on, and evidence-based. Um, so we do at our school. So by individualized, I mean, you know, we, the, we follow the child and the child moves at her or his own pace. The child's not going to be held back if they're ready to move forward. They're also not going to be, um, you know, pushed ahead if they're, if they need to review a concept. And at the same time, maybe they're, you know, need to review certain concepts, but that's not going to keep them from being exposed to more advanced things. Right, so that's one of the benefits of a multi-age classroom, which we'll talk about a little more later. But um, so individualized, you know, if you like your child to be able to be a unique person, seen as a unique person and a contributor to their community, and also move it at their own at their own pace. Hands-on, uh, I mean that very literally, because Dr. Montessori saw the connection between the hand and the brain, and all of our materials are scientifically designed in a Montessori classroom to support that connection between the hand and the brain. It's very brain-based. Um, so you're going to see materials um, that are designed to meet the developmental needs of the children in each different environment. And then when I say it's evidence-based, just like Kara was saying, you know, Dr. Montessori was a, um, a medical doctor. She was a scientist. She developed this methodology over many decades of observing children very closely and using the scientific method. So children showed her what worked and what didn't work. She tried a lot of things and the children defied her expectations. Um, they showed her, for instance, they really didn't want to play with toys. They wanted to use uh, child size, uh, real life materials um, that were like what the adults were doing. Um, so it took her a lot of years to develop the things that were um, really meeting the children's needs. And you find in a monastery classroom that when children's needs are being met, they are so satisfied. They are so focused. They are just excited to work. And then they have so much fun. They really have that passion for learning. All right, well, thank you for that, Kimberly. Melissa, now, let, how would you add to the definition and build on to what Kara and, and Kim have said? And of course, you also work with older students. So, so give us your perspective. Thank you. Yeah, so, you know, usually the, the quickest response, I think, is, is to the question, what is Montessori education, is that it is developmentally based education, as um, both Kara and Kim have mentioned. Um, what, uh, you know, what most people think about when they, when they hear Montessori, I find is the early childhood environment and Dr. Montessori spent a lot of time, um, in what she called the, the first plane of development. So the zero to six age range. Um, and if you, you know, think about the duration of childhood and adolescence going from zero to 18, obviously the developmental needs change um, as the child moves through elementary and adolescent phases toward adulthood. So it kind of stands to reason that because those developmental needs are different, the environments that um, are prepared for those children and adolescents would be different too. So um, you see um, the, the children's house environments for ages three to six, the elementary environment is prepared differently for children ages six to 12. And, um, and 
adolescence takes place across ages 12 through 18. And so, um, so you see middle and high schools far less frequently than you see younger children environments. Uh, um, and so going back to developmentally based education, you know, it's just a question kind of of what, what are the developmental characteristics of children within the, the age range or the environment that, um, that, that is warranted and what does that look like? Um, and in all of those cases, I think it was Kara earlier who mentioned following the child and, or maybe it was Kim, I'm sorry. Um, and, and one of the big tenets of Montessori as well was the idea of um, freedom and responsibility. So it is really taking the, taking the prepared environment, um, ensuring that it is rich with opportunities for engagement and learning for the children who, for whom it is designed for, following the interests and ensuring that those um, interests and needs are supported and holding the children um, accountable for kind of the executive functioning um, that is built over time and that is that is expected and needed to be able to to thrive within that environment. Kara, Kim mentioned that, you know, I know there are many benefits to students of a Montessori education. She talked about students being very satisfied with their learning. They're very focused. They're having fun. Um, what else would you say are some of the core benefits to kids of, of being in a Montessori environment, you know, really at any age? You know, the Montessori environment is, is like an ecosystem. And, and when it's done well, um, it there's there's all sorts of um, factors that are are working in concert with each other, and um, it allows children to develop um, a, a lot of different things. It, 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 there's a synergy, I think, that develops um, a lot in the child, which um, is is it's just genius, really. Um, but the I think the first thing that comes to mind in terms of its relevance to today's parent uh, is probably self-confidence. Um, but the self-confidence comes from a number of these elements. Um, self-confidence is not something you just tell a child to have, right? Uh, or we all would do it and all of our kids would be growing up with all the confidence they need to tackle life. Um, but the self-confidence comes from a variety of elements in the Montessori classroom. And I think one of them is, well, or, Kim and Melissa have already referenced them, but if, if you tie them all together, um, you know, you, you have children who are, are choosing their own work. They're learning the material at a really deep level rather than just memorizing that they need to carry a one uh, when they do an equation. They know why they're carrying that one because they have traded beads that represent the digits. It's so hands-on. Hands-on is kind of a trendy catchphrase right now, but um, we have, you know, I think every Montessori school has parent nights and the parents are learning why you carry the one and you just hear these epiphanies all over the room because parents had just memorized it and they never really knew why they were doing it. So that deep knowledge of the material of, 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 of the regular, you know, reading, writing, arithmetic, uh, history, science, um, it gives the kids a, a, a confidence that they know how to learn. Um, they also are required to do a lot in the classroom that's pretty independent and there's just nothing um, 
that gives a child self-confidence more than being able to do something independently, not needing help. Um, and uh, it's sort of an oxymoron in the Montessori world. Uh, we say that, that the children is calling are calling to us saying, help me do this by myself. They, they need support in order to do things by themselves. And we're creating an environment and an ecosystem that allows them to do things by themselves. And the more you've done something by yourself and the, when you feel pride in that um, and you've accomplished something, even when there's been failure in the midst of it, or there has to be failure in the midst of it, um, they... They, they just, observe, the pattern's right in front of them. I can do this. I did do this. I wasn't able to do this. And then I learned to do this. I mean, that is what self-confidence is. So I think that's one of the biggest benefits. Um, I think is a love of learning is, is huge as well. Um, the material is all made to call to the child. It's one of the highest priorities of what is out in a Montessori environment as a choice. And that just learning to love, uh, learning to love learning um, is, is something I, that Dr. Montessori believed learning a love of learning is comes natural in kids. But I think in our environment or maybe every culture um, we can squash that out and, you know, extrinsic rewards or um, having to do things you don't care about or having to move on when you aren't ready to move on. You know, there's all sorts of challenges and obstacles that get in the way of loving to learn. And, and I think every school wants, every parent wants their children to love learning, but it's really built into the fabric of a Montessori classroom. So I think those would be the two highest um, benefits to children, especially what I think our parents really value nowadays. Um, I think there's other aspects of it that different cultures or different time periods people have valued, but I don't know, that's the two I would choose right now. That's great. Kim, would you have anything to add on to that? Or Well, I love everything that Kara said, but one thing that really struck me, Kara, when you were talking about that self-confidence was that, you know, a comfort with making mistakes. You know, there's a freedom of an, an excitement about discovery that comes when it's okay to make a mistake. And the materials in a Montessori classroom, uh, for the most part, are self-correcting. And the teachers are very highly trained to, uh, rather than to correct a child, you know, to encourage a child to discover the answer and to keep asking questions rather than beating themselves up because, oh, this is the right answer. Um, now, there are some things like with math or with spelling, like there's clearly a right answer, right? So it's not that we're never going to get the children there to find that but we want them to do that out of this passion for learning that we've all alluded to here. Um, and so often in that desire, you know, I mean, it comes from a great place. Every teacher, every parent wants a child to, to learn what they need to learn. Um, so there's a positive desire in, in correcting children, but so often the way that we do that does squash that passion for learning. And so, what we hear from our alumni again and again is that they are lifelong learners. They love to discover new things. They're constantly researching and recreating themselves and contributing in positive ways to their communities and to their workplaces, just because they love to do it. Um, that, that's just the kind of people that they end up being, that, that independence and that even that interdependence that comes out of being in an authentic Montessori environment. And, and also, I guess I would say a respect for self and others. And I think that respect comes from the way the, 
environment is designed, those prepared environments that have the children's developmental needs in mind. Great, thank you for that. And, and Melissa, so you can certainly build on that, but also tell us a little bit, give us a window into what the Montessori classroom looks like at those older grades. What would uh, you know a, a parent find if they were peeking through a, a window to see your, your classrooms or your environment? Sure. Um, so Dr. Montessori did not spend as much time just because her life did not la unfortunately last long enough that she was able to, um, you know, kind of build out the, the adolescent Montessori, um, curriculum in the way that she did for, um, the primary and then for you know with her along with her son mario the elementary um curriculum and but she did write um and think on it and she talked about the the prepared environment for the adolescent being a microcosm of society and so i think in any adolescent environment that is what we're kind of seeking to create um so holistically there is you know there's academics there is practical life in the same you know at a, kind of a more advanced um version of that than you would see you know in a primary environment where you have children doing things like vegetable vegetable cutting or hand washing or those sorts of um lessons or tasks in the um adolescent environment we have students who are um, you know, repairing furniture. And we have students who are, you know, supporting, we have a, we have a van and a real need is that, you know, we need to change a taillight. Um, so that's, that's the real sort of work that, that is necessary. And Dr. Montessori said that the work should be authentic. And so there is never a shortage of, of tasks and we do allow the students to do that work themselves. Um, it's a very community focused environment. Um, adolescence is a social plane of development. Students are trying to understand themselves in the context of society. And um, so our, our environment is designed in that way as a mixed age. Montessori is a mixed age um, pedagogy and that carries through um, the adolescent environment as well. Um, and and to, to come back to your question about the benefits to the children, and I can speak to this, you know, kind of from an adolescent perspective, um, I think both Kara and Kim were referencing the love of learning. And I would, I would build on that to say that I think, you know, even in moments, you know, there are times as, as students get older, especially that I think that there are things that they maybe don't love learning. Um, they aren't their favorite things to, to do, maybe, but they start to really understand and take ownership of their learning regardless. Um, so they, they, they want to know and understand why they are doing the work that they're doing. Um, and they know, Montessori students know how to take ownership of that. It is not a question of, you know, I check these boxes, I turn it in, I forget about it. It's, you know, I, I know why I need to do this and I know how to find the resources. Maybe the resources have been given to me. Maybe I need to seek them in some other way, but I know how to do that. And so when I am curious or when I have a need, I know how to do that, um, which is really, really um, 
critical to the success after, after secondary. Um, and, and all of the work that we're doing is, is preparation for adult life. I love what you said. It, it got me so excited. And it's true. I'm glad you mentioned because you're right. In adolescence, the children may not be young adults, may not be as excited about learning certain things. But um, the conversation was making me think that some people may believe, oh, if my child hasn't been in Montessori all the way through, they couldn't come in at middle school and go to you know, the MAP school, to Chesterfield Montessori, to the Fulton School. But that's actually not the case. Um, you know, we welcome children not only who've been through Montessori, but also who come into Montessori at that critical age of adolescence, that early adolescence where they're trying to figure out who they are, um, what is my voice look, you know, sound like in the world? How do I make a contribution? Um, and that, that critical thinking um, that we talk about, that self-respect, that independence, it's, it's not too late, I guess is what I'm trying to say, um, that all of these schools can support children even coming in at that, um, that adolescent plane of development. That's right. And because it is such a student-led environment, um, they model for one another, you know, how to, how to do it. <laughs> so um, in the adolescent or the third plane, um, a lot of, a lot of educators suggest kind of a 60% Montessori, 40% non-Montessori background um, for students, because that really is more representative of that microcosm of, of society. Um, and, and, students without Montessori background absolutely can come in and absolutely can thrive in that environment and they support one another and build one another up. Um, and, you know, another important piece of it uh, is, is um, partnership, you know, kind of in, in taking ownership of one's experience, one has to kind of be able to partner with others, to partner with adults, for example, which, which in a traditional environment is often not encouraged or not necessarily supported. Um, so, you know, if I need to know this or I'm not understanding this, like it's, you know, kind of my responsibility to, to connect with my guides and see if, you know, I can get some support or if I can get another lesson or can I demonstrate my knowledge in a different way? And that's really encouraged. Um, and another way in which I think um, students really, really take ownership of their experience. One other benefit I was going to throw out um, just really quickly, I don't want to dominate um, or take too much time, but is uh, one really consistent thing I see with Montessori children and students um, is, is a tendency to really overlap maybe traditional looking domains, content domains. So, um, you know, students are less likely to say, you know, I'm interested in math and I'm looking for a career in math, or I want to be a lawyer, or I want to be, a, you know, fill in the, fill in the blank. But instead, I, I see a whole lot of, you know, creative overlap of, you know, I'm really interested in this, but I'm, you know, I'm interested in maybe STEM, but I'm also really interested in visual arts. And, you know, as I move into college, I'm really interested in combining these, these different areas. And, and, you know, they just kind of create their own adventure based on the unique individuals that they are. Um, I think instead of, you know, thinking like, here are the boxes that I am, I am able to put myself in once I'm an adult and which one will I, will I fit myself into, um, which I think is really beautiful as well. 
Well, that's great. Thank you. Thank you all for that. So I have one final question and we'll kind of we'll go around and ask each of you to address this. And it's a little bit of a two-part question. Um, one is how can parents best support their students who are in the Montessori environment? And then lastly, if there are parents who want to learn more, are there resources that you would recommend as they investigate a, a Montessori option for their students? So Kara, I'll start with you. Um, you know, I think the best way for parents to support children in a Montessori environment would be to really engage with the school. Um, the schools, every Montessori school I've ever heard of is doing a ton of parent um, education. And um, it is different. If, if you weren't a Montessori kid yourself, it's, it's not going to be like the education you grew up with. And some of it's going to be even maybe counterintuitive, but there are reasons behind all of it. There is nothing that's not purposeful uh, that hasn't been thought of ahead of time in a Montessori environment. And so I would just encourage parents to really engage with their school. Um, there's a lot of great books about it. Um, um, two of my favorites for parents are Montessori Madness, which is a parent-to-parent -parent, uh, argument um, for Montessori education, and also the science behind the genius, which is um, all of the longitudinal studies uh, and research that's been done on Montessori over the last couple decades. Um, so I would encourage parents to read about it and, and equip themselves with um, all the information they can. The more they're doing everything at home in confluence with what's going on at school, the stronger these benefits will be, the stronger the self-confidence, the stronger the independence. Um, you know, something we didn't mention, I was thinking about, you know, in terms of how kids are prepared for their next journey, you know, the next stage. Um, Montessori kids also transition really well into traditional environments. Because if you think about the qualities of an ideal student, they're independent. They love learning. They see adults as allies. Um, they have, you know, a, a big term in Montessori education is, is that we uh, teach the whole child. Um, so we're looking at their social emotional development. We're teaching them grace and courtesy. We're teaching them social skills. Um, it's not all just about the cognitive learning. So they are ready to go into new environments. Um, and thrive, uh, whether that's the next school you choose or college or work environments. Um, they, you know, they've been, they've been planning out their work for however long they've been in a monastery environment. They've got executive functioning skills. The failure has been built in at the, at the younger ages, the teachers even demonstrate how to make a mistake and how to recover from that mistake when they're teaching the students. So, um, you know, the more a child has been engaged in a Montessori environment, really the, the better position they are to thrive in a non-Montessori environment. Uh, it's, it's um, they're not, they're not stuck. They, they, the, the skills are developing transfer anywhere. And um, we hear that over and over again from, from our graduates. And I know we're not alone in that. I think every Montessori school does, but um I think the, the more parents are supporting that at home, the stronger all of those skills will be. Um, and, and like I said, every Montessori school knows they need to support parents to do that because it's, it's going to be different than what they're hearing in society um, and different than what they grew up with. Wonderful. Thanks. Uh, Melissa, you want to answer our final question? I think, I think a lot of what Kara said is, is just right. Um, you know, we, in secondary, I think like students are the 
are the drivers of their experience. And we, along with the, the school, along with the parents, are the support team. Um, so we talk a lot about, you know, working in partnership and having a lot of, of um, ongoing conversation and dialogue to make sure that we're all aligned in providing the best support for students. Um, we find that, um, you know, providing a lot of uh, what we call community and culture nights, but opportunities, it's, you know, kind of opportunities to share either curricular elements or cultural elements about our program are, are really useful for parents. And certainly a lot of the um, literary resources, I think that Kara suggested are also a great way to to learn more. I, I also think, honestly, that maybe one of the, and COVID has made this a little bit tricky, but I think one of the most underutilized resources that I would love to see more of is observation. Um, I would really encourage parents if they are at all curious to see about observing in a Montessori school of, of, that is of interest to them. And I, I think that there are, you know, we can use all of the world, words in the world to try to describe what's happening. And I think to just come in and see it for yourself um, just speaks volumes. So that would maybe actually be my first recommendation. Okay, great. Thank you. And Kim, last words to wrap us up today. In terms of how to best support your child, um, in a, if you're thinking about a Montessori school, I would say to foster in, independence. Um, avoid doing things for your children that they can do for themselves. Believe in their competency and where they really do need help, create an environment that's going to support them in being successful incrementally so that they can build on that confidence and that parent education care was referencing you know we have all kinds of uh, workshops for parents or meetings with teachers or or with the heads of school around how to empower your child um you know and, and some of it can be as simple as making sure they have meaningful chores at home you know it's so that they can contribute to the home community um, but I, I really agree with what both kara and melissa were saying observe you know, if you're thinking about a Montessori school or any school, go observe. Um, you know, the, the ISL schools are all fantastic. There's no school that's right for every child. You, you need to go in and, and observe and see, can I envision my child here? Can I envision my family here? Um, does that seem like a good fit? Um, and so, and then, you know, do the parent education, partner with your child's school, whatever school that you, that you choose. And then in terms of resources, uh, they've already mentioned several great books. Um, I also like Montessori Learning in the 21st Century, A Guide for Parents and Teachers by Shannon Helfrich. Um, and then we have a very simple handout that we've created at our school, Montessori Compared to Mainstream, that I'd be very happy to send to anybody who wants to look at that. All right. Well, wonderful. Well, that brings us to the end of our time today. I can't thank my guests enough for joining me. You can learn more about their three schools and all of the schools in the ISL membership, of course, at our website, independentschools.org. And we look forward to seeing you here again for future issues of the ISL podcast. Thank you. Thank you.